Good morning, afternoon, or actually for me, it's evening. Uh, I'm Mark Brown, a longtime member of Grace Community Church, and I'm going to pick it up where I left off on June the 26th, if you happen to watch at that point, and we'll continue looking at Solomon's teaching for his kids from Proverbs 3, 1 to 10. Trust, what a great word, what a great concept to look at these days. I think about our friends to the south and trust and, and uh, the battle for the trust of its people uh, these last few months and years. Do you trust politicians? Do you trust Trump or do you trust Biden? Do you trust the police? How about the media? Do you trust ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN? Or do you trust Fox News? How about in our own country? Do you trust the conservatives, the liberals, the NDP, the Green Party, or our own media, CBC, CTV, The Globe, The Star, The National Post? How about our bureaucrats? <laughs> How about the latest COVID stats or the COVID vaccine? Do I trust doctors? Which doctors do I trust? Of course, everyone trusts in the latest post in their social media. Every day we are putting our trust in someone or something. And I think that's why Solomon <laughs> made trust a center point in this teaching he gave to his kids 4,000 years ago. Let me begin once again by reading that passage from the NIV, Proverbs 3, 1 to 10. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. For they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. And here's his teaching. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. And honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Solomon said to his children that if they learn his teaching, they would very likely enjoy a life of peace and prosperity, a long life of peace and prosperity. And that was a question that I asked in our first uh, message uh, uh, a couple of months ago based on Solomon's teaching. Who of us would not want that kind of life, that long, prosperous, peaceful life? Verses one and two, Solomon made the point of listening, learning, applying, and teaching. You know, my parents listened, learned, and applied teaching that led them to be, in my mom's own words, pharisaical big word, they were very legalistic in what was probably the first 20 years of their marriage and parenting. Now, what would the likely outcome be from that? From their children? <laughs> their children had no interest in a God who was judgmental with a set of unrealistic rules and apparently the absence of love. That's exactly what happened. Then my parents came under teaching 
of someone who led them to seeing, believing, applying, and eventually teaching about a God who loved them so much that all the rules they tried to follow meant nothing to him. My mom would tell of the day that she was scrubbing the floor and the words of Paul from the letters, letter to the Philippians came to her and Paul was talking about how good he was. Hebrew of Hebrew, Pharisee of Pharisees. Paul said, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Paul had a check mark beside all the things that he thought were important. Then he says, I considered them all garbage. Now in my mom's good old King James Version, it actually said, considered them dung, that I may gain Jesus. The answer is not found in all the rules that one can keep, but in knowing Jesus. And only his righteousness, which Paul had prayed earlier in this letter to the Philippians, and this is how he prayed. He said that your love may abound more and more filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. That day, my mom took her list of rules and she wrote them all down on a piece of paper and she scrunched them up and she threw them into the fireplace and watched her rule-filled, judgmental life burn away. She began that day to follow Jesus in unconditionally loving her kids and others she came in contact with. You know, my parents had a gift that we kids had given them hanging on their wall and it was a sheepskin. And on that sheepskin was scribed these words from Isaiah, and all your children will be taught by the Lord and great will be their peace. When our parents put themselves in the way of wise teaching, learned from it, applied it, and then eventually taught and modeled it to their children, you know, all of their kids came back to the feet of the God that brought my parents peace and brought peace to the kids. So that likely outcome that Solomon suggested to his kids and the promise that God gave to my parents through that verse of Isaiah came to pass in peace. So that was Solomon's hope in his teaching. The second part of this message from June were verses three and four where we looked at love and faithfulness Never, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. The question posed that day was, who doesn't want to have a good name in the sight of God and man? And as a follow-up, I suggested that we may want to look at Job as our model. God's own words would suggest why I suggested that. He, he said, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Job had that good name in the sight of God. And I further suggested that you may want to read some parts, but I'm going to give you some highlights today. We learned in the first couple of verses uh, where he lived. Uh, we learned, of course, very quickly that he was blameless, upright, feared God and shunned evil. Then within the next couple of verses, we learned that he had a big family, that he was very wealthy, and his family liked a good party. And I think uh, within about the first five or six verses, we learn about the first habit, his first, what did, what did, what did uh, Job do that maybe grabbed God's attention? And the first thing we learn about him was that daily, he would sacrifice for each of his kids. He would pray for each of his kids each morning, just in case they had crossed God in some way. 
here are some of the activities. And if you read those uh, chapters I talked about, you'll see all of these things that were important to Job. He rescued the poor, the orphans, those who were dying, and widows. He was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. He protected the stranger. He was the leader of the community with words that fell gently on people's ears. I love that phrase. He was faithful to his wife. He conducted his business with integrity. He defined inclusivity. Listen to his words. Did not he who made me in the womb make them? Did not the same one form us both within our mothers? He was, uh, sorry, he was wealthy and yet walked with humility in his wealth. He never looked down on anyone. In short, it seems to me that Job understood these principles, this character of God, of love and faithfulness. And because he did, he had a good reputation before man and God. Let me just read a little bit about his reputation before man. It says, listen to his, uh, sorry, when I went to the city gate, and took my seat in the public square, the young men saw me and stepped aside. And the old men rose to their feet. The chief men refrained from speaking and covered their mouths. Whoever heard me spoke well of me. Why? Because Job understood and practiced love and faithfulness. His every word, his every action, his every reaction were based in love and faithfulness. And uh, please note, that in that, he came into, uh, he, he, he had this love and faithfulness for everyone he came into contact with, but Job clearly and purposely came into contact with people in need. Because of this, God said he was a man who was blameless and upright, a man who feared God and shunned evil. So love and faithfulness learned, practiced, uh, made into a habit, powered by God in Christ, was that first teaching that Solomon had for his kids. And the likely outcome was a good reputation. So let's move on to the next few verses. And these will be familiar to many people. Uh, in fact, over the last weeks and months, I've, I've heard these same verses uh, from a few of you that may watch this uh, and the importance that they played in your life. And th those verses, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 are, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, and all your ways submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. 45 years ago, uh, my girlfriend, and now 43 years of marriage later, uh, my, my wife wrote in, in, my, in the front of my Bible the, that verse, and I didn't realize at 19 years of age just the importance that it would have, uh, that it would uh, become for me. I think that Solomon, as he was instructing in, this, in these uh, 10 verses in Proverbs, instructing his kids, he, he kind of followed uh, systematically. Uh, you, you, you'll see that he, he first talks about his teaching and the importance of the teaching and the content of that teaching. And then he starts with the most important things, love and faithfulness, the qualities of God himself, that those qualities will resonate with God and man the importance of engraving those qualities in our heart and how they become the filter through which our every word, action, and reaction will follow. Now he uses the word trust. And I, I kind of think of this in two different ways. The first might be, and forgive me for my 
dramatics here for a moment and, and it's yes, yes. I understand all about this unconditional love, love that puts others' uh, needs ahead of me. I understand how important it is that I'm faithful, that my word is important, that I do what I say I will do, but I'm only human. I think Solomon, being the wisest guy in history, knew that that was going to be our answer. And it is my answer. Uh, I'd really like to do all these things, but I'm sorry, it just isn't going to happen. Of course it isn't going to happen uh, if we put our trust in the most important person to us, and that's me, myself, and I. Psalm was ready for this excuse, so he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Uh, further, as I was thinking through this, I looked at the question of trust and in whom do we place that trust? When I was thinking about following Solomon's plan here, I was thinking about love and faithfulness first. So the first lesson is love and faithfulness. And then I think about practicing that love and those, with those I come into contact with daily. Then, of course, I practice and make this idea of love and faithfulness a habit. And it becomes more and more natural to me. And then I begin to trust in who? I can tell you from my own experience, I begin to trust in the person that I think that got me there and I forget all about him. And I'm sure again that Solomon in his wisdom knew this. Uh, you know, his kids, just like us, would become good and successful at doing something. But it's me, <laughs> I'm so good. Solomon says, okay, hang on for a second. Here's where you need to put your trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. With everything in you, with your very life, trust in God. I, I like how Solomon hits both the thinkers and feelers again. He follows it up and says, and lean not on your own understanding. Whatever drives you, whether it's your heart or your mind, turn it all over to God. God's the source of strength for both, both of us in our mind and in our heart. Okay, so my life is great, my marriage is great, uh, the kids are behaving most of the time, my job is okay most of the time, we have some good friends, a roof over our head, a food on the table, in whom do I trust? <laughs> Me. <laughs> well, let's add a negative into that summary. You know, my marriage is only so-so, and whom do I trust? Is it me? Even sickness can invade, and in whom do I trust? But it could be me, but it's probably a doctor. I think Solomon wants us to get, understand and get, it, get to this point that we, we kind of figure out that love and faithfulness thing, and then we need to trust in the Lord with all our heart, no matter what the circumstances, whether they're awesome or not. You know, I think a lot of us come to God when things are not so awesome, but it's when they're awesome or not. It's trust in the Lord with all your heart. And stop trying to figure it out for yourself. Now, of course, Solomon ups the ante and he says, in all your ways, submit to him. <laughs> this does not get any, get any easier. We start trusting in me, which is pretty simple because if I do, then I don't depend on anybody else to mess things up for me. And now you want me to put my confidence in an unseen God. Forget about the, using the mind that he gave me to figure things out and you want me to submit everything to him. And Solomon's answer to that, to all of this drama, is yes. And then it's so easy to say, <laughs> but now 
how do I put that into practice? What's the how? And, and I, you know, this, this systematic thought process for Solomon is, I, just, I could just see him talking to his kids and saying, okay, go back to the beginning. Put yourself in the position of wise teaching. Ask the old man. The old man may be as simple as opening your Bible. Turn to Jesus and his words in the gospel. If, if, if you're going to start with your Bible anywhere, any, any, at any time, start reading Matthew and look at the words of Jesus. You know, the f only the second phrase recorded by Matthew in his gospel is this. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. <laughs> you know, that should be a pretty good clue as to what asking the old man might look like. How about start uh, with the Sermon on the Mount? I think the Sermon on the Mount, the beginning of that is maybe the fourth phrase that's recorded in the book of Matthew. And it starts with, blessed or happy are those who recognize their spiritual poverty, their need for a savior, their need of Jesus in their life. And it says, for theirs, Jesus says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And this next, the next thing is, blessed or happy are those who are truly sorry, who seek forgiveness, who have a heart deeply reaching out to others first, for they will find comfort. I could go on. But we've already learned, just in that few phrases, we learned the importance of Jesus' words, First, we can't live, really live without them. Second, when we recognize, truly recognize our need of him, there's a kingdom waiting for us. And I'd suggest that that kingdom starts here and now. And then if you're looking for comfort in your life, he says, try forgiveness on for size. And that covers only the first few words of Jesus, God in the flesh recorded in the book of Matthew. Or the old man may be putting herself, as my parents did, in front of wise teaching. And may I strongly suggest that, that, that this teaching should always be tested against scripture. scripture. If something being taught contradicts that command of Jesus to love unconditionally, non-judgmentally, then I'd question that teaching. As we put ourselves in the way of teaching, we will begin to note the importance, if it's good teaching, of love and faithfulness particularly consistent with Jesus' command to love as he did, giving up what we want to meet the needs of others. And we'll make that the filter through which all of our words, all of our actions, and all of our reactions flow. Then we'll understand more and more that we're truly not capable of loving just the way he does. It's only through as Paul prayed, that love which may abound more and more, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Solomon said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Stop leaning on your understanding of things. In all your ways, in every word, every action, every reaction, submit them to Jesus and his leading. And Solomon says there's a likely outcome. And that likely outcome is he, the Lord, will make your paths straight. Now, does that mean we don't have ups and downs and curves and swerves and twists and turns? And the answer to that is nope. <laughs> but think about it this way. If we truly, and I, let's, 
Let's repeat that. If we truly trust in the Lord with all our heart and we stop leaning on our understanding but trust in the Lord with all our heart, if we submit every up and down, every twist and turn to Him, then the likely outcome is not necessarily a straight path, but it will certainly seem that way. So let's do one more quick review through that. Wise teaching, listened to, implemented, practiced, can lead to long life, a long life of peace and prosperity. That wise teaching, according to Solomon, is to engrave love and faithfulness on our hearts so that our every word, our every action, our every reaction is filtered through those two qualities, those two characters of God as we become focused on others. Stop thinking that this is impossible. Solomon said the way to do that is to put your trust completely in the Lord. Stop thinking about it with your mind and start allowing Jesus to sit on the throne of your thought life. By the way, submit to him in absolutely every way and in every circumstance. <laughs> and now I've reached the mountaintop. I've reached that spiritual mountaintop. I really have reached the point where I am a lover of scripture. I, am, I listen to all the best podcasts I can find, the teachers that have great teaching. And I, I've learned to love with the love of Jesus in my heart. And I'm more convinced each day that I have a Job-like reputation. Trust in Jesus, I got it all figured out. I don't worry about anything. So what's next? I'm on the top of my spiritual world. <laughs> Systematically, Solomon follows through and he says here in verse seven and eight, do not be wise in your own eyes. <laughs> Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Uh, the, work of, uh, the company that I work at with it has uh, quickly uh, from nothing become the largest seller of its products and services in Canada. Uh, we sit around and talk where we are and our, we talk about our strengths and weaknesses and opportunities and threats and, and uh, you know, where we're going and truly what is the, the greatest threat to our future. You know, is it the pandemic? Uh, is it our competitors? Is it our equipment, our employees, our marketing, our social media content, exposure? Solomon <laughs> in his wisdom, had the answer to that question in this teaching for his children. You know, you do all the learning, you can do all the practice, you can become proficient at it, and even become at good at trusting the Lord for all things and stop worrying, and then the worst thing happens. The wise man, wisest man in history recognizes one of the worst things that can happen with religious people. The religious people of Jesus' day were well practiced in this area. And I think for some, for, in some cases, uh, things haven't changed in 2,000 years. Christians can reach the apex of their effort with this when they have it all together. Solomon says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Uh, one of his most famous proverbs, pro probably known by Christians, non-Christians alike, uh, is pride. Pride goes before the fall or pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. He uses pride in, in several of, of the Proverbs, and I, I just noted a few here, that when pride comes, then comes disgrace. I love this one because this is so true. Where there is strife, there is pride. Now, our pride brings a person low. You know, we've 
Christ followers have a wonderful spot we can get to in our lives when we think we have it all together. And Solomon said, mm, now you can get to that point where you become wise in your own eyes. If you remember a definition of sin that I used over the last uh, couple of messages was, I want what I want when I want it. <laughs> that definition of sin. Now we can add to that, as I think as Solomon would suggest, we can add to that and say, I want what I want when I want it. And I deserve it. My mom was so proud of the religious apex she had reached. <laughs> Pride is pretty easy to come by when you feel you have it all together. Solomon then adds to that, fear God and shun evil. And I'll never forget the discussion we had several years ago uh, about fearing God. What does that really mean? And on the one hand, uh, there was this thought that we literally should be afraid of God. On the other hand was the discussion about what, how David taught about the fear of God to his kids, which would include Solomon. And this is what David said the fear of the Lord was. And this is from Psalm 34, 11 to 14. It says, keep your tongue from evil, your lips from speaking lies, turn from evil and do good, seek peace and pursue it. So perhaps both sides of the argument were right. Is it right to have a healthy fear of running across a highway uh, during rush hour? Or jumping from a 10-story building or putting your hand in a fire? Why is it good to have that healthy fear? Because of the consequences. Is it good to have a healthy fear of the consequences of not following wise teaching that leads us to a life of trust in the Lord, where love and faithfulness is engraved into our hearts and worn for all to see? This wise teaching of trust in the Lord has this likely outcome of walking straight paths, having a good reputation, and ultimately having a long, peaceful, prosperous life. Let's have a good look at the opposite of David's idea of fearing the Lord. Tongues that spew evil, or language that is anything but full of love and faithfulness, lips that are incapable of truth but only lies, actions that care nothing for others, and get this, they prefer friction and discontent and to rest in it. However you look at it, whether it's a literal fear of God or understanding how David puts this, I think it's all good. I like a little fear of the Lord. Uh, he says, Solomon says, early in Proverbs, he says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Start there and you're on your way to that long life of peace and prosperity. In whom do I trust? My fav most favorite person? Me? Or do I trust in my social media account? I don't even have one. Solomon suggests that you put your trust in the Lord even when you get to the point of feeling awfully good about yourself. That is when you'll start to have some wisdom. Pride is so destructive, and most of us, Christ follower or not, know that, and we have witnessed when pride takes over. And I become the most important person in my life, and how destructive that can be. Let's go back to the beginning again. Wise teaching, love and faithfulness, powered by Christ with all humility. The likely results, a long, prosperous life with a good reputation. Our road will seem just that much straighter. And 
we will enjoy healthy relationships. There's just one more week for this, uh, at the end of August, and, and I'll, I'll finish off with uh, verses 9 and 10. And, and the question to ask at the, at, in that last one will be, how much do you care, really? Let's pray. Father, we look to you this morning as the old man, the source of all wisdom. We are most grateful for the transforming life that Jesus' presence in our heart and mind can bring. We are most grateful for the power of the Holy Spirit that draws us always back to you. We ask you today to have your way in our lives, a way of love and faithfulness that influences our every word, our every action, our every reaction. And with thankful hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.